These are the days of Elijah, declaring the word of the Lord. And these are the days of your servant Moses, righteousness being restored. And though these are days of great trials, of famine and darkness and sword, still we are the voice in the desert, crying, prepare ye the way of the Lord. Behold, he comes, riding on the clouds, shining like the sun at the trumpet call. So lift your voice, it's the year of jubilee, and out of Zion's hill salvation comes. And these are the days of Ezekiel, the dry bones becoming as flesh. And these are the days of your servant, David rebuilding a temple of praise. And these are the days of the harvest, the fields are as wide in the Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to an Average Joe's Media production. This is How Do You Feel About Jesus? Now, first, this is our inaugural Facebook Live video. We, uh, we did do a few How Do You Feel About Jesus podcasts, and, um, you know, it, it got to be a little expensive, ultimately, to hosted on a podcast platform, and so once we started getting the information and the technological stuff to do Facebook Live, I spoke to the average Joe and uh, and said, you know what, maybe we do Facebook Live videos instead of uh, podcasts, and so we can potentially reach just as many people this way, and uh, and we can actually throw some verses up on the screen. You can see our faces when we talk. Uh, you can even... Check out the wombats and the koalas in the background from uh, from our other podcast, Things You Think You Don't Care About. But, uh, you know, this this podcast is primarily intended to encourage, to uplift, to edify anybody who may need it. Monday is a fantastic day to do this, and so it may be an every Monday thing because the beginning of a work week is tough. Nobody really wants to get up out of bed after the weekend, after they've been sleeping in, and... Uh, you know, and, and go to work and go back to that grind of, of that Monday through Friday, 9 to 5 or whatever hours you work. If you're like me, then it's, uh, you know, like 5 in the morning to potentially 5 in the afternoon or in some days uh, 5 in the morning to, uh, you know, midnight or later. You know, and it, it, it gets tough and it gets a little bit taxing. And so uh, this is primarily intended to edify, to build you up, to give you some things to think about. I'm not going to be spitting at you church doctrine. I'm not going to be spitting at you uh, which church affiliation you should be going to or or anything like that uh, because ultimately the Bible is is needing to be heard. The Bible is needing to be talked about. The Bible is needing to be read. Um, topics out of the Bible are needing to be looked at for people in their own personal life, uh, you know, just to, to help you have a, a better quality of life, ultimately. And so, uh, at least that's my opinion. That's that's how I feel about Jesus. I feel he needs to be he needs to be spreading, and this is the best possible way that right now I feel like I can get some of that stuff out there. And hopefully you uh, hopefully you spread it. Uh, so first of all, if you you know if you do read and, and see anything at the end of Matthew, and it talks about going into all the world, preaching the gospel, and uh, trying to bring others to Jesus. Uh, 
you know, I think one of the best ways to do that is a podcast like this or Facebook pages like this. You don't necessarily have to. This is completely voluntary. But uh, if you go to the page and you go to the community tab, you can actually invite your whole friends list to, to like this page. And you know what? It's then on them to like it and then get some information or, or you know, bypass it if they don't, if it's not their cup of tea. But, uh, but that's the best possible way to do that. So go to the page, swipe left to the community tab or button uh, there. It, you know, it's where it says home, videos, posts, and all that stuff about. And you swipe to the left, you'll see the community tab. And then, uh, and then there's a button right there that shows you how many people like the page, how many people follow the page. And then there's a button that says invite your friends. And so you can go in there, you can select a few friends if you want to, or you can select the whole list. And you know what? Anybody and everybody that you have influence over they can, you know, they can get some, how do you feel about Jesus or, uh, or not, you know, it's their choice ultimately. And so, uh, you know, that's one of the best ways to spread this type of thing. But, uh, today, uh, today I want to talk about the love of Jesus. We're going to talk about characteristics of Jesus over the next couple of videos. There's a, uh, I say couple, there may be up to 10. I, I don't know how many characteristics we're actually going to get to, but I figured we'd start with the first one. Uh, in my opinion, the best one which is love. And so you go to, uh, I believe it's 1 Corinthians 13, at the end of it, uh, and in these abide faith, hope, and love, and the greatest is love. And so I think that that's the, it's the greatest potential characteristic that anybody can have, and especially somebody who should be an example to us. In the Bible, like Jesus, uh, love is something that they should be possessing, especially if you're looking up to them. Um, if you're looking up to anybody near you, around you, they should be possessing and exhibiting, uh, uh, showing love regularly to anybody and everybody they come in contact with. And uh, and if you have if you have any question about that, if you're trying to figure out, you know, what is this love? How should it look? Well, there's you know there's a whole bunch of different ways. I'm going to show you three ways that Jesus uh, exhibited his love towards us or towards mankind in general, and then. Uh, you know, and then you can kind of develop how love should look in your life. And, I, you know, I may give you a couple couple things. But uh, but first I want to talk about uh, judging others. Um, and you'll see how this ties in here in just a second. But in Matthew 7, this talks about do not judge or you, you too will be judged. For in the same way that you judge others, you'll be judged. This context or this verse talks about uh, making sure that if you... Um, if you're saying something is right or wrong, then you you better not be doing it. You know, take the speck out of your own eye before you try to say that there's a speck in somebody else's eye. So try not to be a hypocrite. Try not to be judging of others, especially when you do some of the same things that you are potentially judging. Um, Luke six: Do not judge, and you will be not you will not be judged. Do not condemn, and you won't be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Uh, just several. Several different potential aspects here of judging or not judging others. Uh, we also have James 4, where we have brothers and sisters do not slander one another. Anyone who speaks against a brother or sister or judges them speaks against the law and judges it. When you judge the law, you are not keeping it but sitting in judgment on it. And there's only one judge. And who are you to judge your neighbor? And so there's there's several more Romans 2. You have no excuse, you who pass judgment on someone else, for at whatever point you judge another, you are condemning yourself because you who pass judgment do the same things. And so ultimately, you just have to be careful about what you are 
judging and what you're not judging. And then one of my most favorite verses or chapters is Romans 14. Romans 14 goes into so many different things. Uh, one of the one of the biggest verses I think in that book talk about how um, that he believes that uh, that nothing in and of itself is unclean, but your purpose for how you use it is the the way that it becomes unclean. And so there's a lot of things in that chapter. It's fantastic. It's a fantastic read. Uh, it talks about if somebody holds one day in higher esteem than another, you shouldn't judge that. If somebody thinks they shouldn't eat something, then they sh- then don't judge that. They just shouldn't eat it. If you feel like something is wrong, then it is wrong for you to do it. And that's ultimately what the entire chapter, uh, Romans 14, talks about. And so uh, it's a fantastic read. It's a fantastic perspective because, you know, I was raised in a, in, a, in a place where it was wrong or it was frowned upon to celebrate Christmas on the 25th, to celebrate Jesus' birth on the 25th. When I say celebrate Jesus' birth, I mean go out of your way to celebrate the birth of Jesus on the 25th where you should be celebrating the birth of Jesus every Sunday. And so... You know, when I first started reading that passage, well, some people hold the 25th in higher esteem than either I do or the people that I grew up with around church. So as I got older, I stopped looking at that as a negative thing or as a thing that needed to be frowned upon because it was not my place to say that they were right or they were wrong. Uh, You can go into all the hermeneutics or whatever you want to call it about the history of when potentially Jesus was born and and maybe he was born in Easter time or the harvest time or whatever you want to call that. But uh, but just because somebody decides to have a special celebration for Jesus' birth on the 25th, does that make them wrong? And I think the answer in Romans 14 is basically is no, it doesn't. So uh, and it goes and the same thing with Easter. And you know you can get into the history of all that stuff. And if you really 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 want to get in the history of it, well then you shouldn't be celebrating those things on those days. If it's wrong, in your opinion, you shouldn't be doing it. But if you don't have an issue with it, or if you think that it's something that's good to do, do it. Because Romans 14 says we should not be judging somebody else because they think one day is more important than another, or because they think some type of food is is better to eat than something else, or not as good to eat, whatever. And so Romans 14, again, is a fantastic read if you have the opportunity. But... I say all these things because how do we know Jesus' love? Jesus, he taught and he did not judge. Um, The first example of that, John 7, at the end of John 7, basically the first 12 verses of chapter 8, the adulterous woman sentenced to be stoned. And then, uh, you know, the people around that had this woman ready to be stoned, they said based on the law of Moses, she should be stoned. And so Jesus, you know, he bends down to write something in the dirt. And then he looks up and says, Any one of you who has no sin, let him throw the first stone. And so one by one, they started kind of trickling away. And then he looked up and everybody was gone except him and the woman. And she and he asked the woman, did, did anybody condemn you? And she said, no. And he said, neither do I. Go and sin no more. So he was teaching not only the woman but also the people around, not to be judging when potentially 
all those people in the crowd have done something similar or were doing the same thing. And so he was telling them, by example, you should not be throwing stones in a glass house. Jesus could have thrown that first stone. That's how judgmental he could have been towards her. He throws that first stone. Everybody else follows and throws the stone too. But Jesus did not throw that first stone even though he was there and he was the one that was without sin that could have thrown that first stone. And he chose not to. Next here in Mark 2, 13 to 17, sinners sat with Jesus at Levi's house to eat. This is a pretty common uh, a common story that you see in um, in the Bible. Growing up, uh, you see you have teachers that teach you about Jesus eating with sinners. Uh, you know, the, the Pharisees and the scribes that were there, they said, uh, why is he over there with sinners? What's this? What's Jesus here doing? Why is he eating with these people that are publicly sinning or that, that are very well known not to do the right thing? And so Jesus basically just responded to them. Now, I paraphrase this here in this picture here. This is not exactly the quote, but it's I put quotes because of what I wrote. <laughs> so Jesus said, I'm not here to help you if you're righteous. I'm here to help the sick and call sinners to repentance. And so Jesus is sitting there and he is not condemning these people that he's eating with. He is trying to be a good example. He is trying to teach them. He is trying to show them, if they are doing wrong, how to do right. And he's also giving a great example to all the people that are trying to follow him. You should be teaching these people. You should not be judging these people. He's also talking to the people that are kind of judging him for sitting with the sinners. I say kind of. I think they directly were judging him for sitting with those sinners. He was basically showing them, you shouldn't be judging. You shouldn't be doing this you probably have friends that are sinners too you eat with them why are you eating with your sinner friends and so ultimately yeah we all sin fall short of the glory of god i believe that's romans 3 23 i, I could be wrong there i don't necessarily know all the best verses and, and memorize them all but uh, i mean y'all are kind of judging me and you shouldn't be i'm setting the example I'm trying to teach. I'm not trying to judge. That's Jesus for you, basically, in a nutshell, whenever he's doing things like that. And the next one that I felt like uh, was a good um, was a good thing to bring up here was the Samaritan woman at the well. Uh, basically, here we have that uh, Jesus basically tells her about living water and that she'll never be thirsty. And, uh, and she's like, yeah, bring it on. I, I want that water. I want to have a taste of that. And uh, and Jesus told her to go go get her husband. And she said, I don't have a husband. And he said, well, you've had five husbands, and the man you're with right now is not your husband. So regardless of, first of all, he acknowledges how many husbands she's had, and whether that's the custom or whether that she did it legally or scripturally or whatever you want to call it, she had five husbands and she's with somebody who's currently not her husband. Jesus wasn't saying, uh, you're, you're condemned right now. What he's saying is, you need to go get your husband. He said, the person you're with currently is not your husband. And he said that the hour is coming when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. Jesus didn't condemn this woman for having those five husbands or those six men in her life. Uh, he taught her what was needed to obtain that living water. 
And so I think that that is extremely, extremely important in terms of how you can exhibit love. One of the first things that I tell somebody when they're trying to tell me something, especially if they're trying to tell me something, anything controversial or potentially controversial, is I have no judgments. I am not clean myself. I, I make mistakes. I do things that uh, that are frowned upon. I have things in my life that are not the best, not something that I'm going to go around publicizing that I either do or have done or whatever. But uh, So I'm in no place to pass judgment if somebody feels like they have something that might be a little bit frowned upon. And so um, if you want to exhibit love towards somebody, I'd say the first thing that you need to do is tell them, I'm not judging you. I'm not looking at you differently. I'm not looking at you negatively. I'm not looking at you or talking to you less because you do this thing. Because I think it's important that, number one, if if they are your friend, if you love them, then you'll show them you love them by not by not making them feel bad about themselves. You'll, you'll show them, hey, if you have something to offer them in the way of teaching, in the way of help, you're going to do that. And that help and that teaching should not come condescending. It should not come condemning. It should be purely out of the love of your heart, and they should be able to feel that, and they should be able to feel that they are loved and not judged. Uh, I would say uh, the next thing that we know Jesus, we know how Jesus is love, or that's his, one of his major characteristics, is that he came to serve others. And so, uh, you know, in Matthew 20, verse 28, I did not come to be served, but to serve. That's one of the major takeaways from that context. And, uh, you know, love is putting others first and making sure that they have what they need before you have what you need. Um, if you look at any parenting situation, parents make sure, most parents, parents that truly love their children will make sure that they have the food that they need before, uh, excuse me, have the food that their children need before they have the food that they need. Sometimes parents, true loving parents, will go hungry on a night just to make sure that their kids will eat and uh, and be fed and be able to you know, feel comforted and loved ultimately is what they what they should be feeling. Um, the next thing that we have here is in John. There's so many buttons here. Next thing is in John 13 verses 1 through 7. When Jesus washed the disciples feet. Um, he's talking about here that no servant is greater than his master. And uh, the person who is sent is not greater than the person who sent him. And so ultimately, he's giving an example here of how Jesus, uh, when he washed the feet, he told the disciples, you should be washing each other's feet. And he ends this context um, in verse 4. I don't not going to say. Uh, yeah, well, maybe in verse 14, he says you ought to wash each other's feet. But so one of the things I noticed about this context is that Jesus is deliberate here in the making sure that he does he that he washes their feet he gets the towel he gets the bucket he fills it with water and then he proceeds to fill their uh, to to wash their feet and then uh, he takes the towel and he dries their feet and he he you know he rubs them he takes care of his disciples he takes care of the people that he loves and ultimately demonstrates that love for them and then gives us an example of how we should be loving each other as well 
and doing the same type of thing now. Is it, should we literally be washing each other's feet? I think, I think the times are different. Um, we, ha- we have shoes and socks, so our feet aren't regularly dirty, whereas they wore sandals or potentially no shoes at all. Back in the church times, the early first century, whatever, whatever time frame it is, I'm not that much of a Bible scholar. But, uh, but the times are way different. So washing feet is not the direct thing you should be doing right here. It is you should be doing something for others. You should be going out of your way, sacrificing a little bit of pride. And, you know, humility is potentially one of these characteristics here that we're going to be talking about if we want to foreshadow. But, uh, but Jesus completely humbled himself, washed his disciples' feet, and, uh, but then said, hey, follow my example, wash each other's feet, love one another. And so, um, and then you also have the, the many examples of how Jesus healed anybody and everybody that came to him. You know, he, it's, he, didn't, uh, he didn't play favorites with the healing of people. He didn't, uh, he, he didn't, he didn't judge the person why he, he was afflicted the way he was, or he didn't, uh, you know, he didn't rebuke that person. He rebuked typically the spirit that was within him. If there was, if they were demon possessed, he rebuked the demon, and the demon would come out of him. Um, things like that. But whenever you hear countless examples of when Jesus healed people, and he he healed anybody and everybody that he could at the time when he was healing. He, there was even times when people had so much faith that they would come up and just touch the hem of his garment, and then they'd be healed because they had so much faith. Um, there was other times where he would. Uh, he would use the example um, of, uh, I believe this one's the paralytic that he uh, he told him to. He said, "Your sins are forgiven," and everybody was like, "Whoa, whoa, whoa! Who has the power to forgive sins?" And they were kind of taken back. And he basically told them, "Hey, uh, which one's easier to say, your sins are forgiven, or arise and walk?" And they said, "Well, your sins are forgiven. That's the easiest one to say." So he then told him to arise and walk. He took up his bed and he walked. And so he demonstrated there not only his power, but his love towards that person and towards all the other people that he healed. He did not have to go do this. He did not have to heal everybody. He only needed to heal one or two people in a multitude of people in order to show his power, in order to show where he came from. And he didn't just do that. He healed everybody he went to or that came to him. The last thing that we know is that uh, Jesus was our last sacrifice for sin. We know the Old Testament. How did people? Uh, how were people vindicated, or uh, how did they get redemption for their sin? They had to have a sacrifice, which was the best of whatever they had to offer, and uh, and it, you know that those sacrifices, whether it was cow, lamb, uh, if they were a gardener and they had the best of their of their harvest or whatever it was, wasn't good enough. Never was good enough. And so ultimately, because everything has blemishes, all the fruit and the vegetables, those have blemishes, by, at least by the time they get to the temple to be sacrificed, or to, uh, the, the cows, the, they all have blemishes. And so ultimately, Jesus had to be that unblemished sacrifice for sin, and he humbled himself. Again, humility is a, a very strong secondary quality to showing love. Um, John fifteen thirteen, we see the greater love has no one than this that they that one lay down 
uh, their life for their friends. And, uh, and then I think the very next verse says that you are my friends if you do whatever I've commanded you to do. And so if you follow Jesus, if you love Jesus, if you read about Jesus, if, you're his, if you follow his example, then, uh, then you and Jesus are friends. And Jesus laid down his life for you. And it's, uh, I mean, it goes to show that, that there is an, an immense, an immense lowering of someone's self and raising up the people that they love. Again, humility is there. And we'll probably reiterate some of this stuff with the humility characteristic that Jesus possesses. And so I also want to talk, I want to read Isaiah 53. If you haven't read Isaiah 53, it is a fantastic prophecy about Jesus from the Old Testament. And uh, it basically shows you and tells you everything that Jesus went through up until the point where he died, even uh, maybe even a little bit after that point. Uh, but this is Isaiah um, foreshadowing the coming of Jesus and the, the suffering that he was going to have to go through. So Isaiah 53, this new international version, I've been using this today. I will use multiple different versions uh, throughout these different videos. But it, Isaiah 53, just beginning of verse 1, I'll read the whole thing. Who has believed our message and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? He grew up before him like a tender shoot and like a root out of the ground dry. He had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him, nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. He was, de <clears throat> he was despised and rejected by mankind, a man of suffering and familiar with pain. Like one, who from, like one from whom people hide their faces, he was despised, and we held him in low esteem. Surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering, yet he considered himself, or he considered, Yet we considered him, excuse me, punished by God, stricken by him, and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds we are healed. We all, like sheep, have gone astray, and each of us has turned to our own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter. And as a sheep before its shearer is silent, so did he not open his mouth. By oppression and judgment he was taken away, yet who of, this, of his generation protested? For he was cut off from the land of the living, for the transgression of my people he was punished. He was assigned a grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death, though he had, not, though he had done no violence, nor was any deceit in his mouth. Yet it was the Lord's will to crush him and cause him to suffer. And though the Lord, and though the Lord makes his life an offering for sin, he will see his offering and prolong his days. And the will of the Lord will prosper in his hand. After he has suffered, he will see the light of life and be satisfied. By his knowledge, my righteous servant will justify many, and he will bear their iniquities. Therefore, I will give him a portion among the great, and he will divide the spoils with the strong. Because he poured out his life unto death and was numbered with the transgressors, for he bore the sin of many and made intercession for the transgressors. And that's Isaiah 53. And that tells you so much about Jesus and about everything he went through in order to be that sacrifice for everyone and ultimately to fulfill the law uh, that God had set forth. And so, lastly... I want to talk about 
why love is the greatest thing, why love is so important and why Jesus had to possess love or why Jesus is love. If Jesus did not have love, if Jesus was not the embodiment of love, Jesus would be nothing. Jesus would be no example for us to be able to follow because love had to be there. And I believe that love is the most important characteristic that Jesus shows us. It's something that we should emulate on a daily basis. It's something that we need to see. It's something that we need to feel. It's something that we need to demonstrate. And so ultimately, I think that this was a fantastic way to start this off because it was the, now everything else is probably going to be a little bit not as good because it's, uh, you know, it's, it's a little bit low. But Jesus, Jesus was not who he was just because of love. He was, because he, was because, he was who he was because of everything else that he has, every other tool in his bag, if you want to call it that, uh, every other thing that he did, every other... Uh, idea that he portrayed every other example that he gave to us um, and that's how I feel about Jesus Jesus is love and next week Jesus is going to be something else uh, altogether love will probably come into play there as well until next time I am the average Joe Boo this is the podcast how do you feel about Jesus signing off Salvation comes, and these are the days of Ezekiel, the dry bones becoming as flesh, and these are the days of your servant David rebuilding a temple of praise, and these...
Who was and who 